Hey everybody, Brian Zane here with another edition of Wrestling with Regret. Wait a minute, hang on. Where am I? This isn't this isn't YouTube. This isn't the Cinnabon. Where the hell am I? Gaming Street Irregulars? Well, I know a thing or two about gaming and certainly being irregular, but no, this is not my scene. I'm out of here. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time of day it is when you hear this. Welcome to Gaming Street Irregulars. My name is James Irish, and joining me, as always, is Chrissy Harding. Hi, everyone. And today we have yet another brand spanking new special guest in the digital recording booth. Ladies and gentlemen, my cousin, Sean Michael Smith. Thank you for having me. Hey. Now, those of you probably recognize that name if you've listened all the way to the end of my other podcast, the Pemmy and James Kind of Sort of Hopefully Funny Cartoon Podcast, where he did the theme song for it. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. <laughs> and, and today we are... Uh, b- well, before we get into why we're here today, uh, Sean, t- tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and Hearing Damage Studios. Awesome. So uh, I am a voiceover actor and a uh, audio technician. So I'll do uh, commercials and translations for uh, video games overseas and doing a lot of dubbing as well. Okay, we'll we'll have you back for 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 game dubs for right sure. On. Yeah, I'd love and it. localization and the like. That's that's definitely in our future. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. But uh, as we stated in our original mission statement for this podcast, games influence almost every corner of our life. Where there's play and there are rules, there are games. And and thus, when preparing for improvisational comedy, as a for instance, you know whether just warming up or actually doing the improv itself. These are usually structured by a few base rules and guidelines, basically making them into games. If you've seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, you basically get the gist of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Sean, you've done improv for a long, long time. And Chrissy, I think even you have some experience with this. Yep, I've actually, I've kind of been part of the amateur improv community. Not like, you know, so um, I've performed with village idiots and i've done the local improv garbage plate that we used to have at johnny's irish pub so <laughs> i have some training but i'm not up there with like people who perform with second city or um who've done it as part of upstand upstanding citizens brigade which actually one of the guys who uh, i trained under he was one of the he was one of the first troops of upstate upright citizens brigade so it was oh, kind right of cool. yeah Law was laws law is awesome. Very cool. Yeah, UCB is one of the uh, one of the best shining examples of improv school where you can really train 
and uh, uh, test your ability at uh, improv. And they have a great place in New York City and they got a great place in L.A. as well. And so many people, the founding members were uh, Matt Besser, Amy Poehler, Ian Roberts, Matt Walsh, and uh, they went on to do some great things. So from humble beginnings, built this incredible empire of improv. Very, very impressive. So we will get to our games right after this short break. Sean, you said you had a warm-up game for us. Uh, Absolutely. I should also mention, too, I'm going into this completely cold. <laughs> I have zero experience. I'm just a ham who hmm. does funny voices. <laughs> the The wonderful thing about improv is it, it accesses a part of your brain. Uh, John Cleese talks about accessing that creativity that is childlike. And the things that I was originally taught when I was 13, 14 years old, being taught uh, the concepts of improv, they are the same fundamentals that are taught in New York City, in LA, to 23-year-old to 37-year-old, whatever your age is, when you're starting off uh, uh, learning improv, they teach you the same games. So we're going to go through those games, uh, and they're great warm-ups to kind of get you used to the the fast flow of improv. And the first game was the first game I was taught as a kid. And unfortunately, because we're not in person and we're doing this all remotely, uh, I've found a way to adapt it. The game is called Zip Zap Zop. But what we're going to do is Zip Zap Zoom. So essentially, one at a time, uh, we are going to go back and forth, and I'll have uh, Chrissy and James do this uh, together because three of us wouldn't make very much sense. So uh, essentially, one of you starts with zip, and then the next one says zap, and the next one will say zoom, and then it goes and repeats and repeats and repeats, and you have to go as fast as you possibly can. So start at a slow little canter and then build up. And that's going to be a good little warm-up for what we're doing today. So, for example, uh, James, you want to do it with me for a bit? All right. So, before I uh, have you both compete <laughs> at, at, at my whim, so uh, I'll start with zip. And then you say... Zap. And then I say zoom. Then zip. you start with zip. Perfect. So, let's go right, right into it. So, okay. z- zip. Zap. Zoom. 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 Zip. <laughs> Zap. Zoom. And it goes on indefinitely. And uh, part of the fun of this, when you're in person, they add this tiny little thing that uh, adds a bit of physicality to it. You kind of point your, your hands at the person and uh, shoot one of your hands at the person that you're uh, shifting the next word to. 
So it really keeps you on your toes. So that's essentially one of the first easiest improv games that you can learn. And a lot of people use that as a warm up uh, before they do an improv show. But uh, it, it depends on how sick and tired of Zip Zap's uh, Zap you get. <laughs> but uh, that is uh, that is the first game. Would you like to uh, give it a try, Chrissy? Yeah, actually, I've played this game before, too. And <laughs> I, I have to say, though, um, when we got to the point where everyone in the group kind of got to know, we started throwing in like random stuff like Zip Zap, lightsaber, and then everyone had to pretend like they were swinging a lightsaber. Ah, yeah. So we go. would start adding other stuff to it, too. So, But yeah, I'll definitely start. Uh, do you want me to do it with you, Sean, or do you want me to do it with James? Ah, James, would you like to uh, to go for another round? I'd be happy to. All okay. right. All right. Chrissy versus James. All right. Zip. Zap. Zoom. 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 Zip. Zap. Zip. Lightsaber. Lightsabers. Judge me by my size, do you? <laughs> that was, yeah, that's exactly what we used to do. Anytime you would like be like, wait, what was it? And then you just throw in something random and everyone had to like jump on it. Like we had um we had uh Star Trek, which was the pretending to be the zip the zipping of the later, like boom, 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 boom. We had pew. Pew, 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 pew. Oh, there you go. That's a good yeah, one. We had, we had a couple of How do you ones. improv being the benches in a church? <laughs> <laughs> and you say you don't know improv. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I know riffing. Uh-huh, that, yes, yes. Riffing riffing is, is one of the fundamental cores to me of improv, is the ab- ability to take what somebody says and say, yes, Anne. Mm-hmm, yep. That is one of the uh, one of the main tenets of it, and one of the faults that a lot of early initiates to improv uh, come across is they take that literally to actually saying yes and and then the next thing yes and and then the next thing. So the art of finding that fine line between literally just saying yes to everything the other person says and being able to fall into a place where either you're the deadpan or you're the straight man. It's all, uh, it, it takes a lot of thought and work and it takes a lot of teamwork. But yes and is definitely one of the most important things. I've also seen uh, people who are getting right into improv where someone will say something along the lines of, uh, uh, wow, what a beautiful day to spend on the beach. And then the next person will say, we're not on the beach. What are you talking about? We're driving a car. And they, they'll, they'll do that for a laugh and, and you go, Okay, all right, but uh, let's keep it. Let's keep it to the yes and for a bit. So those are the extremes that can happen if you uh, don't keep in mind the fundamentals of uh, yes and. Yeah, I, I'd be like, well, we should go fifty-fifty. We're in a dune buggy on the beach. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. There was, and mm-hmm. there's actually a game that will actually start to teach people how to do the yes and, and it's called More Awesome. Have you played that one? Oh, I am not familiar with that. So more awesome um, as an improv game is you'll have two pe- two people and you give them a room and you let them start to describe the room and then the audience yells out more awesome. So then they have to start to play off of each other to come up with better things to be in the room. 
Um, <laughs> and it really teaches you to take what, cause you're taking what that person who you're working with says, and you're trying to make it better. So it's, it's kind of the yes. And like, yes, we're on the beach. And then the other person can try to logically up it to the, okay, what's the next logical thing to have off of what that person says. And a lot of people, when they, like you said, when they do yes, and they forget that it's not saying yes. And it's yes. Oh, and there's this. Because you're, mm-hmm, what you're mm-hmm. doing is you're building off of what your partner gives you. And if you get really good and you get really good trusting the people you're improving with, you can even start playing with the dynamic dynamics between people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I, that I got into was Shakespearean improv. <laughs> yes. Which is, I, I, and I'm not a long form person by any sort. I'm a short form improv player because my attention span is like Monty Python. <laughs> when I get bored, I go to something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> the man um, with the tape recorder up his nose pretty much yeah or the <laughs> ministry of, of silly walks or mm-hmm. yeah and uh, grant chapman was very well known for if he was in the middle and he felt something was dragging on for too long he was the guy who would suddenly turn around and change the scene on everybody and everyone else had to scramble <laughs> to keep up <laughs> so you brought up a be- good point about the difference between short form and uh long form and there are completely different uh, schools of practice. And a lot of people like uh, we mentioned early, uh, Matt Besser from UCB, he is one of the uh, specialists of long form. And it's a pretty big deal in LA these days to do long form. And uh, especially with podcasts, so many comedy podcasts like uh, Comedy Bang Bang, Improv for Humans, they go into long form like it's a religion where you have whose line is it anyway, which is a classic example of short form where it's these tiny little sketches and skits and uh, they don't really have an arcing story that goes over five to 10 minutes. Yep. They're just quick little games. Mm-hmm. You'll occasionally get a running gag interspersed in there, but yes, yes, that'll yeah. be it. Mm-hmm. And and if you do the running gag right, it's something because like with village with village idiots because we used to our when we was part of that our thing was it takes a village to raise an idiot, <laughs> and that was actually a running gag. So if you went to the different shows and you were someone who regularly came to our shows, you would catch on to the running gag in each show. There, nice. there were somehow we had we had something in there about villi- about being a village idiot. Hmm. Either it was a line or it was. Um, something that would happen in the background, you know, we would just, we just had a whole bunch of fun with it. And the other one we used to do was, um, oh God, I knew it as guerrilla theater where you had three directors Mm. and they were competing. And then you had the troupe is the players that they would direct into a scene. And then we had the gorilla and there was just someone dressed in a gorilla suit that they all were competing for. And you wanted to win the gorilla, and then the audience <laughs> would vote who was the better director. <laughs> oh, we we've had a lot of fun with that one. We also where we had our theater um, in the Village Gate, uh, the floor that we were on, the third floor of Village Gate, actually was meant to be art studios, but they had this one guy who had moved into a studio there and turned it into like his apartment, mm. and he hated us. <laughs> 
because Ooh. oh yeah he did not like us up there he wanted us gone he tried everything to get rid of us even though like the floor itself was meant to be just art studios it wasn't meant to be apartments he was just <laughs> been there long enough that he was kind of grandfather clause in he used to bang on the walls in the middle of shows and of course we would start yelling the doors at the other end like <laughs> you're banging on the wall in the middle of an improv show we are going to mess with you and he used to hate that oh lord i i did a production on that floor as well and uh my version of it was whoever was living there at the time uh interrupting our show for example i am uh playing a guy who was kidnapped in a lighthouse and i'm clawing my way out of uh essentially chains and dying in front of this audience night after night after night and uh we get closer to the weekend and the guy's band decides to uh, start to practice a fish fish cover band. And so I'm in the middle of a death scene and I hear something dangerously close to the uh, uh, Seinfeld lick as I'm starting to die and cry. And my mother is sitting in the audience and I'm using that to my advantage. I'm looking at her. I'm using that to cry. Then I hear and we, we tried during intermission to walk over and say, Hey, uh, really, really sweet bass lick, my friend. But uh, unfortunately we're trying to die in the other room. And <laughs> if we could die, with a, a, a maybe learn some Bach or Mozart or anything that will uh, yeah. or heavy metal like go 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 the other end of the spectrum exactly scare <laughs> the audience make them think that it's intentional exactly but yeah was that that's, a uh, yes it was it might have been oh were you were you were, was that Black Sheep Theater yes it was oh they used to be across the hall from us. <laughs> Diane, I used to talk to Diane almost every night. There was the one time we had an improv show, and I think they were doing, oh God, it was it was the Greek play. Oh okay. Um, it was the one that's a it was a Greek play that was kind of an unintentional. It was intentionally provocative and dirty and erotic. Uh-uh. Okay. And, oh, I can't remember the name. This is Strata. Yes, ah, that was it. There we go. And um, Diane and I used to sit across the way, and every so often, if if the actors needed, um, they would sometimes when they were done or they were in a scene, they'd come across the wing and watch the improv show. <laughs> yes, yes. And then every absolutely. so often, and then every so often, we'd walk across the way to peek in and be like, how's it going over here? <laughs> oh, okay, it's the dick scene. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I miss uh, Diane. She was so much fun. Oh, I, loved yeah. having, uh, I loved having her as a neighbor because mm-hmm. she was just like, when we had our improv shows and you hear the laughter, she, they would just include it into the show over there. But we purposely try not to have shows on the same night just so we couldn't run into that kind of that competition or mix up with the ticket sales. Yeah. Because we would both have our ticket booths in the hallway. And I'm like, uh, let's try to make it so we're not on the same night so we're not trying to play direction. Hmm. I'm, I miss Diane. That is something that I love about the improv community is, and you see it absolutely everywhere, that they intermingle with uh, the film actors, they intermingle with theater people. A lot of the time you find the, uh, the music world interloping with, uh, with the improv world, uh, which, which you know sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, because you, you hate to be the, uh, the guitarist who comes and opens for a comedian or vice versa, a comedian that goes and opens for a, uh, a well-known band and everybody there wants music and, and not well, a, that's your a, a type song. five. Uh, exactly. Yeah. That, that, 
Yeah, they they were a spectacular opener back in the day. <laughs> my my friend Keith Handy, um, and I actually met him for Village Idiots. He's an improvisational musician, mm-hmm. so he's the guy that could go anywhere and just give him a keyboard or a guitar, and he will improv a song on the spot. <laughs> and he actually was part of I don't uh, a group. Uh, with my other friend, Sarah Peters. Um, and they did a group called Shut Up Zeke. Mm-hmm. And they used to, they played as Southern kind of hillbilly-ish stereotype psychiatrists. So they <laughs> okay. would get someone from the audience to come up, tell them about a problem they were having and what they were looking for. And then they would sing literally a full-blown song about that person's problem and their advice to take care of the problem. <laughs> all on the spot and it was all you know and, and Keith still does that where he still does kind of improvisational music and stuff. but he was like we would have him go on he'd start playing he would just start randomly start playing music before a show that no 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 script music he would just suddenly start making just playing music for the audience and he'd be like this is a Heath Handy special you will not hear this on any album ever again like he would just go out and do it which is so funny because he he was very um not antisocial, but he was very much a I don't like being in front of crowds and improv really brought him out of his shell and mm-hmm. and um Keith is one of the most amazing artists that I've ever met. So I have seen it where improv and art and music have kind of crossed over to support each other. Absolutely. Speaking of, um, I have a slightly music related uh, game if you would like to play it, if we have time to move on to another game. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Okay. So this one is called Hey Fred Schneider, What Are You Doing? Ring a bell to anybody? I think I might know a different version of this, but... So we are talking about the B-52's lead singer, uh, Fred Schneider, who has a very uh, classically strange voice. Uh, So uh, imagine a game where we all get a chance to be Fred Schneider. So here's the example. So someone would start basically a clap like this. Boom. Bop, 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 bop. Hey, Fred Schneider, what are you doing? And then the first person will go, uh, I'm driving a car into a tree. And then, hey, Fred Schneider, what are you doing? I'm covering my face with a large thing of bees. And then you just keep on going and going and going. And uh, part of the difficulty is to do the voice and come up with things. So that is one of the uh, popular games going around right now in the UCB community. Oh, nice. I know um, we used to play one. It's called Do Run Run. Okay. Do Run Run Run, a Do Run Run. And then one person would say the line, the group would say Do Run Run, and then the next person would do it, a Do a Run. Hey, da 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 That's the one I, I grew up, I kind of huh, got to know. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Kind of gotcha. like to the song, a Do Run Run. But I want to try this one. Hey, Fred Snyder. <laughs> yes. So because we we have no uh, visual cues, the whole clapping and, and all that jazz, it's going to be a little bit harder. So I say we slow it down a bit and then we all together say like three, two, one. Hey, Fred Schneider, what are you doing? And uh, 
let's say I'll go first and then James, you go and then Chrissy, you go. And then okay. we'll do a couple rounds of, hey, Fred Schneider, what are you doing? Okay. All right. All right. So we'll start it in three, two, one. Hey, Fred, hey, Fred Schneider. Schneider. <laughs> what, what are you, you doing? doing? <laughs> I'm becoming a lawyer, a lawyer for llamas. Hey, Fred, Fred Schneider. Schneider. What, what are you, are you doing? doing? I'm d- dying on the spot, quite clearly. <laughs> hey, Fred Schneider. Schneider what, what are you, are you doing? doing? I'm trying to make my way to the top. <laughs> hey, Fred, Fred Schneider. Schneider. What, what are you, are you doing? doing? I'm baking a pie, the pie I already talked about. Hey, Fred, Fred Schneider. Schneider. What are, what you, are doing? you doing? I'm investigating this aardvark snout. Hey, Fred, Fred Schneider. Schneider, what, what are, are you, you doing? doing? I'm working my way, way up to a spout. Hey, Fred, hey, Fred Schneider. Schneider, what, what are, you, are doing? you doing? I'm flying a plane, a plane to Mars. Hey, hey Fred, Fred Schneider. Schneider, what, what are, you, are doing? you doing? I'm I'm stuck here in Alcatraz, stuck behind bars. There you go. Hey, Fred, <laughs> Fred Schneider. Schneider. What, are, what you are you doing? I'm driving a car, a car to the mall. Hey, hey Fred, Fred Schneider. Schneider. What are you, what doing? Are you doing? doing? I'm finishing the game because it's going on too long. There we go. And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that is Hey Fred Schneider. What are you doing? Now, what tripped me up is, does this always have to rhyme? It does, and sometimes it doesn't. It's more fun when it rhymes, but uh, usually uh, with the clapping, it adds to the rhyming bit. Yeah. Okay. Which was an, uh, an, an added extra. I was impressed at the times that uh, things uh, tended to rhyme. So more power to you. There you go. Yeah, we jumped I, in. Yeah, because <laughs> when I when I think B fifty twos, you know, I, I, obviously I I think of of course the the Georgia alternative rock scene, and mm-hmm. uh, I and inevitably I go to it wasn't a rock. Exactly. It was a rock lobster. <laughs> and I sound more like a game show host than, uh, or, or Rod Ruddy rather. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's better than me. Cause I can't do the voice. <laughs> uh, it's the heart that counts. It's the heart that counts. Sure. That's the Wilson sisters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so we jumped into like the bottom of the list. I was going to like slowly rev up, but that's one of the more difficult uh, improv games. Yeah, don't uh, say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we brought up music and I just felt inclined. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so I just had one quick question because I know when I started doing improv, um, how, much of, how much of the improv games that you have come up with are... Um, Influenced by the Keith Johnstone School of Improv Thought. Ah, okay. Uh, mostly everything that I've been taught is on the Del Close side. Okay. So uh, not a whole lot on that. They borrow from a, a, a huge well of similarities. But mm-hmm. uh, most of it is uh, grounding yourself in the uh, the yes and. And uh, it, it's a lot of partner-based comedy. So um, when I say partner base, I mean just two people at a time to start. 
and then slowly work up to to groups. And there are some schools of thought that it it's more along the chaotic side, where you have about uh, six to eight people doing a scene at the same time, and that's hard to do because you got a lot of people wanting to jump in. A lot of people yeah. that are impatient and they have something they want to say. So uh, a good way to start from my school of uh, thought is with two people. And once you get used to uh, a lot of the phrasing and a lot of the beats and a lot of the timing, you can move on to more difficult stuff like uh, a whole crowd scene. Yeah. I used to, when I used to start doing improv and the guy who was who was kind of teaching us and he followed he was he claimed he followed the keith johnstone uh thought of improv mm-hmm. after reading keith johnstone how he was teaching i'm like no this this isn't the same thing but like he would try to <laughs> do these big crowd scenes and literally mm-hmm. i would just be like i would be the one that kind of noped out because i'm like I'm not competing bye mm-hmm. <laughs> i'd mm-hmm. be the one that walk yeah. off to side i'm like i'll wait my turn <laughs> yeah hmm that that's a, a a thing about this world that's difficult when it comes to putting reins on something that the whole point is there are no reins. So when you say there is a certain way to do improv, you go yes and no, and I accidentally said yes and there because that's just instinctual for me. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, Basically saying this is the way to go, uh, find guidelines and not rules. And that's a better way to, to approach comedy. Same thing with method acting. You get all these people that say, I studied word for word the same book that you did. And they'll go on stage and do what they want to do. And you go, but that's not what that is because it's such a personal experience. That's why improv is such a, a giant world of different monsters because it's all these different people from different schools with different ways of approaching it. Okay. I want to make a Godzilla joke here, but... uh... (laughs) Go for it. So uh, which one is Mothra and which one is is Megalon? I I do not know. Okay. (laughs) I think it depends. I think it depends on which camp likes which one more. (laughs) Naturally. I reference Megalon, of course, because uh, the, the the MST3K ties. Uh, yeah, I'd that, say that uh, big dung beetle with the drills on his hands. <laughs> the one that uh, falls mm. more gracefully off of a building. That that's how I'll answer that question. There you go. Probably, that would be Mothra. That would be Mothra. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, and that's a fun thing with with improv. It, it's in a way, it's kind of like controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, you do have, obviously, depending on your first know your audience of what you can and can can get away from. And I will say every single time I every single time I did an improv show, you always have that one person that when you ask for give me a career is kind of to prompt or is the prompt. You always mm-hmm. get the one person who yells out proctologist. Yep, absolutely. Every single time without fail. Yep. There's always that one person. And I think I the best um throwback that one of my friends on stage at the time uh erwin harris did was when someone threw it out he goes oh get your head out of your ass yeah there you go <laughs> yeah beat there me to go. it <laughs> <laughs> and it just, just kind of yeah. paused and this was like whoop, like really like you can't get more creative than that audience participation is such a high risk aspect of improv 
And uh, that that's why live improv and pre-recorded improv, where you have just the comedians riffing off each other, they're completely different things. And they have such different energy levels as well, because you got the audience in front of you, that you got them laughing, you have instant gratification of whether or not a bit lands. So when you're working with someone without an audience, it's a little bit more difficult, but it is more of a artist's comedy, as in like the comedian's comedy, because you're riffing off of the comedian and you are make, trying to make them laugh. And it's a more uh, personal experience than on stage where you're sharing it with so many people. And those are both completely different uh, uh, schools as well. Uh, it's like a person who's very good at acting on stage gets hired to go on film and then they stink because they don't know how to act for the camera and vice versa. So those two worlds, it's very hard to find people who uh, are very good at both. But when you do, most likely they're veterans who have been doing it probably longer than I've been alive. True. I think that, and the one person who comes to mind, in, to my mind, that definitely was good at bridging that gap was is Robin Williams. Oh, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, His that, mind that, was firing. Yeah. That, that that man there was is a walking is just a living version of improv, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I still remember the story from Mark and Mindy where they literally just had bulks of the script that just says <laughs> Robin William improvs for X amount of time, and that's <laughs> all of his lines were in Mark and Mindy. A great deal of the time was him improving, and they gave him a time limit, and they just let him go. Mm hmm. It reminds me of uh, when they would script Marx Brothers movies, they would just insert Harpo does something funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I actually have to say- the How best... do you script somebody that anarchic? Absolutely. You really can't. And um, I remember it's um, when he when Mork and Mindy first took off and then he did, it was um, A Night at the Roxy where he did a stand-up show. And in the audience was all these people from- uh, the network that he was working at. So you saw like Tony Dan's in the audience, John Ritter, and he pulled John Ritter on stage. And most people mm. don't realize that John Ritter performed with second city. He yeah. was an improv actor and they did a like 20 minutes of improv at the end of the show is kind of the encore of the two of them. Mm. And it was just magical to watch like these two, you know, obviously starting their career actors going back to their roots. Yeah. Of just being oh, God, yeah. Yeah. And it's just when you see improv and improv is improv's a magical experience, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, because you have to admire the amount of speed and wit that goes into pulling off a bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whether whether it goes good or not, these are people gotta think on the fly. <laughs> and uh yeah. yeah, so many people had a background in improv before they became what we know as um, a lot of scripted actors. And we got Bill Murray, John Belushi, Mike Myers, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert. Uh, you got so many others, uh, Will Ferrell, Melissa McCarthy, Christian Wig, Bobby Moynihan. So many people mm -hmm. started in the uh, improv comedy world. 
And to see them return to that, I feel like it's uh, <laughs> a lot of the time they would go to um, like Robin Williams would just show up at a New York City club and everyone would be like, oh, God, he's here. This is so cool. And he would sit there beaming ear to ear, just appreciating the the world where it, it all started for him. And he would always be asked to go up and he never said no. And he would go up with no material, no tight five. He would just do a riff for about 15 minutes. And it was always euphoric. It was something so special. And it's Yes, of course, he is a wonderful performer, but so much of it is him returning to those roots and being able to take everything that he's learned, go back to the basics and create something truly special. Yeah. And he never left those roots either because the stories that came out from like the filming of Aladdin. Oh, yeah. And the stuff that they would just put him in the booth and they just had the the um, artists just sit there and draw. They would just let him go. They give him a script and they would just let him go. And the art and, and the artists would draw whatever voice was coming out of him, what they thought it would look like on paper. Hmm. Um, Cause he never left those roots. And that's, that's really kind of cool to me is that he never, he never got too big for his britches. He always hmm. kind of would go back to his roots Um you know, and he would always still, he always had that playfulness of a child. And I think yeah. a lot of that when he died, that I think his, he was the celebrity death that hit me harder than anyone because yeah. he was just so alive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, he was just yeah. an amazing actor. Yeah, he, he had so much life that after he passed away, uh, his characters and his legacy live on with such a, uh, a truth about them. It's it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when they were going to remake the Aladdin movie, and oh my god, <laughs> the out the outcry! I felt so bad for Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, because he oh, it was, was going to be worse. <laughs> it was going yeah. to be worse. They were going to do a genie prequel. Oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> but I just remember, I just felt so bad for, well, because Will Smith walked into this role. It's big shoes to fill, and he understood that. And everyone was just hating on him before he even had a chance to try to make the role his own. <laughs> um, and I, I just remember, like, and I'm a huge, I was a huge Genie fan. I knew every line that the Genie spoke in Aladdin. I could start the movie from start to finish and not miss any of the Genie's lines. I mean, I was a huge Genie fan because hmm. I loved Robin Williams. Um, and I just remember like people, and I'm like, I'm a huge fan of the Genie. I'm probably a bigger fan than most of you guys. Let the, <laughs> let the, let the man do his thing. He's a good yeah. comedian because he, he's a good comedic actor. Let him do it. Let him try. <laughs> I don't, Going back I'm, to uh, to James' thing about the, the Genie prequel, uh, I really... The, the, they they missed a chance to make a uh, a genie prequel as him as a teen and call it teeny. That's just. Oh. Uh, I, oh. I wish. I wish. Oh. <laughs> I dream of teeny. Oh no. <laughs> I had to up it. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Uh, instead of uh, you ain't never had a friend like me, he's just sad, he has no friends, and he says, I ain't never had a friend, and that's it. 
<laughs> go through the dark years of, of Jeannie's past. Oh, excuse me, Teeny, Teeny's past. Teeny's past. <laughs> they don't want no short shirt men. <laughs> oh, Lord. So uh, say we do uh, another game. Another game, please. Yeah. What else All you right. Got? So uh, <laughs> one of the warm-up games that uh, we can return to and then uh, slowly, progressively get a little more difficult is uh, One Word at a Time, where we uh, construct a story or scene one word at a time, and we all take turns. Uh, usually that is like the upgrade to Zip, Zap, Zoom. Uh, instead of just saying a three words that we can choose, now we can at... Uh, our leisure, choose whatever word as long as it continues the story. So okay. uh, I will start and then I'm just going based off of the order. I'm seeing our names on the screen. <laughs> so I'll, I'll start and then James and then Chrissy and then we'll just keep on going until we find a satisfactory end to our scene or story. So I will start with one. Fine. Day. I went to the grocery store and looked for a bag of cheese when I found myself at the Crossroads in the bad store. <laughs> I ducked under the cash register with the cheese. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. There we go. There we go. Uh, we all have those grocery stores that we never go to, but when we need Yeah, they're cheese, called Tops. Aha, local humor, baby. Hot and tight is Walmart. Love it. Oh, yeah. That 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 one is a, is a madhouse. <laughs> I told you about... I know I told Chrissy about when I was there buying the Mantena Funko Pop exclusive, and there were pe people not wearing masks, of course. Uh, oh no. mm -hmm. There were people standing in the middle of, of aisles and making social distancing impossible. Hmm. There were people with entire loads of groceries being checked out at the electronics section. And there were people hiding under cash registers holding bags of cheese. Oh, yes. Ah. Uh. I, just because I didn't see them doesn't mean they weren't there. Exactly. <laughs> That's how well they were hiding. Exactly. <laughs> it must have been a good a time. Oh, no. <laughs> I chatter at the thought. Oh, these jokes are too sharp. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Want to do another round of uh, one word at a time? That was a breeze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shall we uh, do one more round of one word at a time? Sure. Sure. Awesome. All right. So now we have the gist of it. Let's start with a uh, throw-off word. So, unfortunately. My. 
cat was scratching my toes with his <laughs> giant emery board. <laughs> so I took my flamethrower out and ignited the son of a gun <laughs> until the cat or the sorry oh well that's a nice uh, little uh softball for me cat <laughs> decided to, to Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, all right, all your two <laughs> um, turn away and fly off to Mars. The end. Okay, and yeah. scene. There and we go. <laughs> we did. <laughs> uh, attempting to make any callback I can possibly make. All right. And that is one word at a time. I do that at work whenever we have a conversation and I'm just like, end scene. <laughs> yep. uh -huh. Yes. And that is something that gets so ingrained in anybody in the comedy world. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, when you're in a large group of people who do not understand what that means, uh, <laughs> you get to do a little bow, a little curtsy, and then uh, uh, lose your friends one at a time. There you go. Mic drop. <laughs> and scene. And scene. And I even do it. And I even and I even do it with the hand gesture of like and scene. <laughs> they just like what does that mean? And eventually, a couple of my coworkers are like, "That means we're done." <laughs> That's Chrissy's way of saying, "And you're done." <laughs> just like oh, improv. I miss you. <laughs> So that were that was a couple of games in the uh, short form world. Are we ready to jump into a little bit of long form improv? Oh, well, I don't see why not. Let's okay. try it. I haven't so, done long form in a long time. This is a game called Switch It and Pitch It. So uh, I would like James to choose a famous TV show or movie. Uh, and the idea is uh, we are going to change it. For example, uh, law and order would be uh, crime and chaos. So we're going to switch it and then we're going to pitch that show or movie to an executive. And I'll play the executive so you guys can pitch a movie to me. So uh, James, would you kindly pick a film or TV show that we're going to switch and pitch? Sanford and Son. Okay, beautiful. All right. So, uh, Chrissy, uh, if you would care to uh, switch it for us. Junkyard Tales. Oh, oh so, uh, so switch as in... Uh, oh, switch the name. So, okay. Um... So we're going to go for like, instead of Sons, it will be something along the lines of... Uh, uh, Sanford and Daughters or something along Sanford those lines. Sanford and Daughters. That's what I was saying. Exactly. Okay. All right. So that'll be the switch. And now comes the pitch. So you two are about to open a door, sit down with me, and pitch this show called 
Sanford, and daughters. So, uh, one of you, please knock on my door and I'll invite you in. Hello? Oh, okay. All right. Are, are you the two that are pitching the show for me today? Yes. 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 Okay. All right. I don't have a whole lot of time. I'm actually on my way out. So if we can maybe elevator pitch this, please sit down. Uh, do, you, do you want anything to drink? Any coffee? Any tea? Just some water, please. And some water? Water, oh, please. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, um, maybe. <clears throat> Secretary, uh, can, I get, can I get two waters, please? Okay. Come and bite All right. Bite um, oh, there, all right. Um, she's... <laughs> Her voice terrifies me, but she's so good at her job. I got to tell you. I'm sorry. I'm getting off track. Um, um, uh, please tell me. Oh, what, is, the show. what is the show? The show is Sanford and Daughters. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, yes. Three of them, to be precise. Three daughters. And, yep. So three daughters. And Sanford runs um, kind of like a thrift shop um, garage thing. So he's trying to raise his three daughters while still trying to run a business. And the three okay. daughters are of different ages. Uh, we have the cute, young, like... Um, eight or nine year old you have the moody teenager and then you have the older daughter who's going to college and is trying to find um a soulmate all right gotcha gotcha uh do you have any uh plans on who you want to cast these roles with okay for the for the college for the kids we're mostly looking for unknowns for for the college student we're we're looking to fill kind of the selena gomez uh, archetype, you know, genuinely uh, very, very attractive, very camera loves this person, looks good in a burlap sack, let alone, let alone authorized wardrobe. All right. I was going to say, um, uh, we are a very burlap sap, uh, sack friendly production studio here. And uh, that definitely goes into our, uh, our idea of what we want with this show. All right. So uh, we have three daughters and uh, uh, what are, what are these kids and people going to be up to uh, every, every episode? What, what, what's their story? Uh, what, what's their, their problem with life that they're going to overcome together? So kind of like the youngest daughter is kind of like the more down to earth of the other two. She's kind of the one who just is like that voice of reason. Uh, The middle daughter is trying to become popular in her high school. And she's kind of trying to come to terms with the fact that her family doesn't come from, you know, the the typical white middle class America background. So every episode she has some way where she's trying to either hide who her family is or, you know, or try to hide her family circumstances. And the older daughter is going through the ups and downs of the traditional dating scene, trying to find her soulmate and also um, trying to balance college classes on top of helping run the family business. On top of that, Mm -hmm. on top of that, while the the youngest daughter is indeed down to earth, she is also a bit of a hoarder. This r- creates necessary conflict between her and her dad because her dad is looking to repair and sell and turn stuff around and keep, you know, keep refreshing the inventory and maintain the business while the daughter d- develops these attachments to these things that come in. Hijinks ensue. I like it. I like it. I want it to get dark. I want to see her covered in trash. I want her completely, completely covered in trash. Uh, maybe a burlap sack. Uh, uh, I, I like where this is going. I like it. Uh, and we're thinking uh, that she has like a little hidden room in the house where when stuff gets like when she finds something that her dad is like, no, we have to sell it. She kind of hides it in there. And eventually, maybe for the season finale, the family finds the, uh, the, the hidden room. And not only is it stuff from the junkyard, but some of their stuff as well. 
Ah, I'll do you one more. So every time she opens the door, we have a new guest every single day, uh, a brand new guest, like uh, open the door and it's the uh, the ghost of David Bowie. And uh, and, and he, he ta- tells her uh, uh, to put on the burlap sack and that is his only appearance and seen and beautiful. I love it. I, I, I'm sold. I love it. I most uh, get out of my office, please. Okay, we're getting. <laughs> oh, uh, don't forget your waters on your way out. Oh, oh thank, right, you. thank you. And your complimentary burlap sack. <laughs> You're hired. All right, congratulations. <laughs> and that is uh, Switch It and Pitch It. Nice. I've done a version of this where um, we have one person does play the executive, but then you have a group, a line, and you tap each other out. Kind of like ah, tap out, yeah. so then mm-hmm. the person picks up the pitch from there, and then they just keep tapping until eventually you come to the logical conclusion. So I, I've kind of had it where it's that, and then it's like the one, like maybe a step higher where it's like you have to like keep jumping in for each other. Tap <laughs> this, out, tap out. This game also very much reminded me of a card game that I know I played with you once, Sean, oh, a couple of years back. Right. <laughs> called Pitch that. Storm, yeah. where. It, it's in that uh, Cards Against Humanity, apples to apples vein, where you are supposed to work with the cards that are dealt to you. You pick either the scenario or the character, and the other one is dealt at random, and you're doing an elevator pitch to a designated executive for that round. And that executive can interrupt and throw in a complication that you have to work into your pitch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I loved that. Yeah, that is a great improv practice game you're right thank you for bringing that one up yeah that's up there there's so many different worlds that improv come into with these card games that have become so popular over the years through kickstarter and such and mm-hmm. especially uh dungeons and dragons too any anybody who's played a a serious D campaign where you get into the character you, you have to utilize a lot of improv definitely oh, yeah. especially when you play a bard mm-hmm. <laughs> especially, especially when you play bard. a bard absolutely yeah <laughs> Um, now, have We've you ever got played... to introduce you to Akakioga. Oh, you'll love you'll love Akakioga. She's so cool. Wonderful. Yeah. So, um, have you ever? There's the one game that we used to play. I used to hate this game. This was the one game I always used to hate <laughs> playing. But everyone, but some people, and but when it's done well, it's hysterically funny. And it's it's um, you have two people telling telling the same story at the same time. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So, so you literally, it's like you have two people, like you're a couple, and you're explaining to the couple counselor how you guys got into a fight and got into a car accident. Go, and then like, because you have to tell your story, but listen to what your partner is saying, so you can incorporate like the details from theirs into yours, and you're doing it at the same time. Oh, terrifying! And, oh my god, I remember, <laughs> I remember watching it, and I and they had me do it. I'm like, I don't like this game. <laughs> I'm like this this is too hard um mm. but some people have done it and i've seen it done well where um i've seen two actresses explain who are were jealous of one was jealous of the other and locked her in a closet and ended up having to miss a, uh, a scene a romeo and juliet um kind of improv scene um and then they had to go up and explain to the director why they both missed the scene (laughs) Mm. (laughs) so that's another one of those great uh examples of something that 
will train you for those moments where the chaos does ensue. It's a high risk thing to perform on stage, but it's a great exercise, even though it's generally unpleasant. It's meant to be unpleasant. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's it, that sounds like a great uh, a great way to get used to those high intensity moments that come up from time to time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there's um there was one where you had two improv actors um, playing one character, so they had to stand stand by side by side with each other and answer questions together. So they had to kind of look at each other and try to predict what each other was going to say as an answer. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. That one was kind of fun. I've never seen it go off well in a show, but I've, it's been fun in practice. <laughs> I always love the word games. Those were always my favorite. Gotcha. Well, are you familiar with a game called Questions Only? I have. There we yes. go. That's a classic, uh, classic one from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Want to do a round of it? Yeah, I think we got time for a round. Yeah, let's awesome. do it. Want, want that to be our, our, our closer game? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So, uh, James and Chrissy, would you like to do a uh, spot of questions only for us? Would you like to explain, though, for our audience at home, what exactly, well, me and James kind of know what it is, but just for people at home. Absolutely. So questions only is a game where you are only allowed to respond with a question. So uh, the the second that uh, the person responds with something that is not a question. The scene is over. The other has won and you start a brand new scene. Most of the time when you have a large troop of people, someone else will jump in and you'll try to see who can last the longest by uh, asking only questions. But for this medium, what we'll do is uh, we'll try to extend a scene for as long as we possibly can. And the second that someone responds with something that's not a question, we'll restart the scene and we'll do a couple scenes. I imagine this is a game a two-year-old would win consistently because uh-huh. the most frequent word that comes out of a two-year-old's mouth, why? Exactly. Yep. Okay. Where, where's my goddaughter? <laughs> Let's get her in on this. <laughs> All right. Whenever you two are ready, uh, who would like to start? James, you go first. Okay. <laughs> um, let me think here. I am not editing this pause out, by the way. <laughs> this is a very important part of improv. Yes. Do you want me to go first, James? Chrissy, do you want to go out to dinner? I don't know. Do I? Well, have you eaten yet? Have I eaten? Have I eaten? You can't remember? I don't think I can remember. I think we might have to restart. Okay. Okay, Okay, now flip it. What are you playing? Haven't you seen it before? Why do you say that? I'm... <laughs> 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 All right, so I guess this is going to be the tiebreaker. There we All go. All right, here we go. Do we have to get up yet? Don't you want to go? Can't we go another day? And what day were you thinking? 
is is there a weekend that works better for you? Which weekend were you thinking? What about sometime in June? Wouldn't July be better? Don't we want to avoid traveling around the holidays? You were thinking of driving? You were thinking of taking a bus? What about a plane? Well, you don't think a boat would work, do you? Do we even have a boat? Do we know where we can buy one? (laughs) Are there even boat selling places around here? Well, there's enough car dealerships, don't you think? Oh, close. (laughs) Is a car dealership the same as a boat dealership? (laughs) Existentially. (laughs) Chrissy wins. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was one of the most logical. You got me good there. I I have never heard such a well thought out, like two people actually having a conversation there. Uh, Chrissy, do you want to do a round with me? Sure. Okay. Awesome. All right. Ah, uh, let's see. I'll I'll start it off for us today. Uh, what happened to my garden? What garden? Can't you see the garden that's right in front of you? That garden. The one that you're looking at with your eyes. Where'd you get the rake from? Where? Oh no, you got me. That's <laughs> from my shed. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a tricky one. See, one of the important parts about that game is y- you want to extend it, and sometimes you want to win. And when you're doing improv, you want to extend it. Like you don't yeah. want to have those times where it's just like, oh shoot, where did I get that rake? <laughs> so it's those well, moments. But you yeah. can still say it like, where did I get that rake? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it it's it's a tricky, tricky game. And it's fun the faster it goes. But hey, that mm-hmm. was another good example. Oh and then luckily we didn't go <laughs> to, <laughs> go to the part of uh, uh it's like, well, I don't want to rake anymore. Uh where can I buy a boat for my garden? So oh. <laughs> Home Depot? Home Depot. <laughs> There's a Home Depot around us. Yeah, exactly. So that is uh, that is questions only. Congratulations on uh, on being the reigning champion of questions only today. I will Nicely have to defend. I will have to defend my title the next time we do this. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, we we got to get you to meet up with us in person one of these days, Sean. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Want to support the Irregulars? Head over to www.patreon.com backslash FC3ROC. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a nonprofit group 
everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar, you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i at fc3roc dot org and me at j-a-m-e-s at fc3roc dot org at the moment we're still working out most social media matters but we are indeed on facebook at gaming street irregulars christy and i are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool and begging i mean asking for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes yeah, asking. That's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind. So if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. All right. So, Sean, where can people find you if they like to follow up with you and see what you do? So, uh, basically, if you type in Sean Michael Smith into anything on the Internet, you will find me. Uh, usually I go by the username Sean Smith Sounds. But I'm found on YouTube. I'm found on every app that's out there. Uh, I am going to make an appearance on Comedy Bang Bang relatively soon. It's either going to drop tomorrow or next week. I'm going to be a uh, guest appearing as a, uh, a plug theme song uh, dude at the end of the show. About a decade ago uh, was the first time that I appeared on that show. So it's been... 10 years since I've been able to uh, to be on it, but that is the next thing that I have planned. Ooh. And we just have one last piece of business before we wrap up for the day, and that is this day in gaming history, and I could not find a more contrasting game to the <laughs> harmless anarchy of good old-fashioned improv in 2008, on April 29th, was the international, or at least European and North American, release of Grand Theft Auto 4 on PlayStation oh. 3 and Xbox 360. Nice. <laughs> I have zero experience with GTA, so I, I really can't add much more. Oh, I love that. driving around those cars. Oh, I do. Oh, I do. Oh, I love stealing those cars. I do. <laughs> they were so much fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very the, cool. Hey, I can say that the original Grand Theft Autos were inspired by pinball. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, nice. the PS One versions. That is. Huh. <laughs> They've come a long way from pinball. No kidding. <laughs> and we should probably have that be a, uh, another episode. Oh, oh. indeed, indeed. <laughs> but on that uh, ricocheting note, <laughs> we're gonna call it a day for the show. Folks, I'm James Irish. I'm Chrissy Harding. <laughs> and 
And I know my name. (laughs) (laughs) And on behalf of us all at Gaming Street Irregulars, we bid you adieu and game on. Bye.